What up, brawlers? Welcome back to Throne Hands, episode nine. I am Jacob Janoski, and alongside me is Daniel Woods. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm good, Jacob. How are you? I'm great, thanks. So, interesting night last night for fights, so we're just going to hop right into it. What were your thoughts on uh, Song vs. Vera? You know, uh, I, I talked about this briefly uh, on the preview episode. We didn't really get into this fight too much uh, in that in that realm, but... I was really impressed with both of these guys uh, as some younger contenders in that in that division at, at bantamweight uh, that that could be uh, looking at in a in a couple fights down the road pushing uh, for a title shot in that division because it's kind of up in the air with Henry Cejudo uh, at least uh, for now saying he's he's going to retire. Uh, I was really impressed, honestly, with both of them. I thought Vera going in would have the have the advantage on the ground, and he pretty clearly did, but. For somebody that uh, has really been shown to be uh, just a pure martial artist as a striker in, in song, I thought he did well uh, scrambling on the ground. And I think his work uh, with Uriah Faber is, is pretty clear uh, in his improvements on the ground. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with you there. there was, there's constant action in that fight, a lot of striking back and forth. And what Song did against Vera on the ground was it was better than I expected. So what do you think is next for Vera? I don't I don't really know what what to think about for him because this fight was so close it was a lot of people questioning that that final decision I personally uh, thought Song did win the fight but that's just me um last last uh time out for for Vera he actually had a fight against Jimmy Rivera canceled that was supposed to go on at U- uh, UFC 247 uh, that Re- before Rivera went down with an injury I don't know if that's something that you look at for him coming off of a loss. I mean, there's a lot of guys in that top 15 at bantamweight that are going to be looking for fights soon with Cejudo uh, stepping down as a champion. So uh, we're going to see, I think, a lot of a lot of things shaking up at bantamweight right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, we could see that Jimmy Rivera fight with Vera for sure. So what's next for Song Yadong? Honestly, the more I look at it, the more I think with him – knocking off Vera here and it previously being scheduled to have uh, Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Vera. I'm not sure that's not the fight we don't see for, for song next uh, because I mean, uh, Jimmy Rivera is a guy in that top 10 uh, at 22 years old uh, song is clearly somebody the UFC thinks has a lot of potential considering he's already uh, fought several times uh, in the octagon and has broken into the top 15 at that young age uh, to see him take on, the eighth ranked uh, bantamweight in the world. I think that's something the UFC would be really interested in. And he's already beaten the guy that was originally scheduled to fight Rivera before his injury. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. So I think this kind of uh, transitions right into the next question. I think Song's ceiling is incredibly high. I oh, mean, yeah. he's, he's fought over, he's fought like 20 times, 25 times, I think. 21 after last night. Yeah, 21 times. And 
he's so young and he's already this good. I could see him contending for a title within the next year or two. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And I feel like a broken record talking about this, but uh, the state of that Bantamweight division right now is really up in the air with Cejudo, uh, I guess, going to retirement after, after UFC 249. So it's, it's really uh, anybody's game to jump up towards the top of that division. There's nobody that really stands out as the next guy in the lineage behind Henry Cejudo. I mean, Marlon Moraes. Uh, is is an outstanding number one contender, but this is this is really a unique situation for the UFC and for that division in particular. Oh, for sure, it's he he could be a he could be he's a definitely he's definitely an upcoming star coming soon, and I'm I'm excited to see where this career path takes him. A, a guy that young with that kind of striking ability and that kind of power in his hands uh, is something the UFC obviously loves. We've seen them push those type of guys really hard, really fast in the past. And I think uh, Song Yodong has a chance uh, to be another one of those faces uh, of the UFC's expansion further into China, like we've seen with uh, Zhang Weili. Yeah, for sure. He's he's a star in the making. So we're going to move on to another fight. Um, do you have any uh, thoughts on Jocko and uh uh, Anders, what's dang? I can't remember his name. I'm Eric blanking. Anders. Yeah, Eric Anders. Christoph Jocko, Eric Anders. Um, not really. Uh, it, it was pretty clear coming in that that Anders was was going to bring more power than Jocko, but I thought Jocko did a really good job, uh, kind of using his length advantage, keeping him at bay with some kickboxing technique, uh, and and for the most part, Anders kind of got picked apart here. Anders is a guy that. He, he's going to lean on you, he's going to wear you down, and he's going to try to knock you out. And Jocko's not really much of a finisher. He never has been. Uh, and he he steered the fight toward his style, and uh, he was very successful in doing it. And he yeah, definitely. Definitely. He uh, he threw a couple punches and got out of there. And when his coaches – I was surprised. His takedown defense this in this fight was incredible. He, when he, yeah. he only got taken down once, I think. And other than that, when he was up against the fence, he was using – he was countering the underhooks, and he was definitely not—he was not letting himself get taken to the ground. That I was impressed by that for sure. So, yeah, what's I next was, for you? Go. I, I was just gonna say I—I I agree. I was really impressed with his work up against the fence. And the more I kept sitting there watching this fight and looking at these two guys' body types, I was like, "How did both of these guys weigh in at 186 pounds?" Uh, but uh, Jocko did did an outstanding job holding his own in the clinch, and and he was able to separate. And again, just quickly perfectly timed strikes uh, really helped him out there yeah back to weighing in i was surprised that he eric anders even got in at 185 or whatever he weighed in at yeah he, he looked at least 220 in that fight so what's next for eric anders that's that's an interesting one because he's he's obviously as a former i mean national champion linebacker at alabama he's the type of personality and background that the ufc uh, could want to market in the future. Uh, he's he's let's let's just be be real with it. He's a marketable guy because of his background. I don't really know what happens next for him. He's bounced between weight classes some. He said that uh, he feels better at a lighter weight. He feels more successful there. But he kind of got picked apart by Jotko here. I I'm not sure if we don't see him move back up, especially as bulky he came into this fight. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure about that either. And he's lost four of his last six. Yeah, four of his last six fights. So 
he's not he's not really on an upward trend right now and that who knows if he loses one or two more in a row he could be cut from the roster so what's yeah. next for Christoph Jocko well he called out Uriah Hall which that doesn't seem like a likely path based on uh, Hall pretty much being locked into a fight with Jakari Souza at some point uh, that that kind of got uh, derailed by Souza's positive test for uh, for COVID nineteen. So I don't know if Jocko if that's a fight he wants to wait for, uh, but otherwise, I'm 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 not really sure where where to go with him right now. He's he's obviously a very talented fighter and he's kind of uh, in a, in a bounce back right now uh, at at middleweight. So he's the type of guy that as a 20, 22 and four right now, I believe is his record Mm -hmm. uh, could start pushing towards the top 15, especially with the momentum he's got. I'd look for him to get somebody towards the back end of that, that rankings. I'm just not sure who it would be. Yeah. We could, we could see him uh, maybe an Anderson Silva fight. Uh, Who knows? I could see that happen. And he's back on his upward trend. He's lost, he's lost, Three of his last six, but he's won three in a row. So he's definitely back on the upward trend. I'm I'm excited to see where his path could take him. So this was an interesting fight. The next one we're going to get to, Ige versus Edson Barbosa. What were your thoughts on this? I thought Edson Barbosa won this fight, personally. Um, I guess probably on the judges' scorecards, you could say that Ige did enough uh, at the end of the third round to kind of close the gap and and take that one i'm not sure i agree with that i think edson barboza moving down to featherweight uh, was able able to keep uh, his size and, and some of the power behind his strikes that we'd gotten pretty accustomed to uh, during his time at lightweight and i think uh, he's somebody that could be pretty dangerous if he decides to stay there uh, but i like dan Ige also he's really a brazilian jiu-jitsu forward guy but he was able to stand there uh, and strike with Edson Barboza took a lot of shots and, and more power to him to coming out of there with a win, uh, really doing it in a way that he doesn't commonly do. Yeah, for sure. And I was, I was impressed with Ige. Um, Edson Barboza is a fantastic striker and he, he, yes, he, his, his front leg was bruised to the bone practically, but I, I thought he fared well with Barboza and, but I didn't see the, I didn't see how Ige won that fight. I could see him definitely winning the second round, like we were talking before the podcast started, but I didn't see him winning either the first or the third. So I thought that was really interesting. So what do you think is next for Dan Ige? Well, he called out Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung, which I don't know if he's there yet. I mean, he's obviously just beat a very talented fighter in Edson Barboza, but it was a guy changing weight classes. I, I'd more likely probably see him take on somebody – a little closer to his rank at 15. Um, I mean, Jeremy Stevens obviously is coming off a loss to Calvin Cater, but he still serves as a, a gatekeeper in that division. He's the eighth-ranked uh, featherweight right now. This is such a talented division top to bottom uh, that uh, there's plenty of uh, really talented fighters that Ige uh, could look to knock off and move up in those rankings. Yeah, for sure. And I could definitely see him maybe fighting an Aldo or a, a Burgos or Josh Emmett. I think that'd be a really good fight for Ige. And yes, he could fight Jeremy Stevens. And maybe if Dana White, you know, he's Ige is on a very upward trend winning, I think his last, yeah, 
what, six fights now. Last six fights. So he could go up and maybe fight Calvin Cater, something like that. And in maybe the next couple of years, maybe could compete for a title. He's, he's on that trend. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in a title fight. So what's next for Barboza? What do you see for him? Personally, I'd like to see him stay at featherweight because I was really impressed with uh, the, the combination of quickness and power he was able to bring uh, even moving down still. I'm, I'm not sure who, who he fights next. Uh, again, I think it's somebody probably in a similar range to what you were talking about with Danny Gay in that, in that kind of 9 to 11 range, Josh Emmett, Shane Burgos, or Jose Aldo. I'm, I'm just not sure really where to place it because – I mean, as it stands right now, we don't know when some of these guys are going to be getting back in the octagon uh, because these cards have been so spread out recently. Yeah, I would agree with you. He's going to fight someone in that the same range as Ike, I think. And Dana White said he thought Barboza won the fight. So we could see that happen, same range as Ike when he fights his next fight. Do you think uh, Barboza could really mix up this featherweight division? I think so, because he's got a ton of experience, even though it was at lightweight. But this this featherweight division, as we've seen recently with guys like Calvin Cater, Jeremy Stevens, uh, j- just put on a show exactly like this at 249, where it's guys that are quick, uh, that can throw strikes, but there's still a lot of power behind it. And you get a lot of really exciting fights in this featherweight division. And there's a ton of depth to it as well. Uh, so Barboza is going to have an uphill battle pushing towards the top of this division, but I think he's talented enough and experienced enough to do it. And I think he's got the style to be successful at this, in this division. Yeah. He's a lot taller than guys at this division. So I think that'll definitely serve to his advantage being a five eleven guy in a, in a guy in a division where guys are usually five foot seven, five foot eight. He will definitely use his reach to his advantage. And I think if he can maintain that power, like he did in the, in the Ige fight, he will be a big problem. So to the co-main event, Hill versus Gedalia. What were your thoughts on this fight? Again, this was another really close decision that people had had going different ways. Um, I was honestly impressed uh, after a pretty long layoff how sharp Gedalia was on her feet uh, because she's been so jujitsu forward in her style in the past, and I think it's come back to bite her at times. Uh, but she was throwing some pretty heavy hands at Angela Hill, who obviously with a Muay Thai background is, is much more strike-heavy in her style. Uh, I thought this one could have gone either way, uh, but – Gedalia has kind of been on a quest recently. They made a really big deal uh, out of her uh, changing trainers. Uh, she's been working up in New Jersey now, and she seems like somebody that uh, is, is really on a, on a quest uh, to regain her status at the top of that division at strawweight. Yeah, when I, I thought the fight was really interesting with the fact that she hung in there with Angela Hill with the striking, and her, her striking was clearly much improved from her previous fights, I think that the work with the trainer, I believe it's Mark Henry, really helped her out with that striking. And what I was surprised with Angela Hill was she stuffed a lot of her takedown attempts. Mm -hmm. And with someone like Claudia Gedalia, she'll take you to the ground, and that's her game. And Angela Hill clearly prepared for that. But I don't know. Did you agree with the decision? Again, like I said, it could have gone either way. I thought... I thought Gedalia did enough to where I could I could see her getting that win. If I'm if I'm sitting there as a judge, I might have I might have tipped that one the way of Angela Hill. But I don't have I don't really have a problem with either one of them 
uh, taking the win away there. Yeah, nor did I. I mean, I thought Angela Hill won personally, but it didn't surprise me that Claudia Gadeli won because she definitely did enough, and she hung in there with Angela Hill on, on the feet. So that didn't really surprise me, the decision. I thought Angela Hill won, but it didn't surprise me. So what do you think's next for Claudia Gadelia? Well, she called out um, Carla Esparza after the fight, which is, I think, something we could see. It would be a rematch uh, from earlier in her career. And it was a razor-thin decision, I believe, in that one as well. Uh, that I think we would see a really, really good fight out of those two once again. Uh, the, the decision uh, in that first one, uh, was Gadea winning uh, via split decision two years ago. So that uh, seems like something that, as the sixth and seventh ranked women's strawweights in the world, uh, a win there could maybe push one of them towards a number one contender fight, which I think uh, both of them are kind of on the track uh, to really be in a position to challenge for the title sometime in the next year, year and a half. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. And yeah, she did cl- call out uh, Carla Esparza. That'd be a good fight. But I w- I'm surprised. I think Dana White might move her up for an answer off or maybe another Jen Jayshirk fight because sure. I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't want to see it. I find their styles a little boring because they're both wrestlers. So I think I think if he wants a I don't know a banger of a fight, he could get Jen Jayshirk back in there with Gajalia. Uh, uh, so. What do you think's next for Angela Hill? This is kind of interesting. Yeah, because she was having the best streak of her career going into that fight, uh, was fighting uh, some of the best she had really as, as long as she'd been in the UFC. And I think she's very clearly somebody uh, that can compete with the best straw weights in the world. I don't know if she's if she's championship material at this point, but she's obviously – uh, someone that uh, can, can compete with top 10, maybe even top five, depending on where Gedalia goes after this contenders. So I think that's where you see her at, uh, finish up next. I think you see somebody like uh, maybe not Michelle Watterson, but uh, somebody more towards the back of those rankings, uh, Cynthia, Cynthia Calvillo at number 10, Marina Rodriguez at number nine, or, or maybe somebody below that. Because Angela Hill, I think, has changed a lot of people's minds with what she's done in 2020 already. Yeah, definitely. She's definitely on that upward trend. She's fought four times in the past seven months or something like that. She 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 fights, seems like, every other month. And she's already fought uh, three times this year. So we could definitely see one or two more fights in 2020 for Angela Hill. Like you said, you could see a Calvillo fight or a Rodriguez fight. And maybe by the end of the year, she could maybe fight Watterson or something like that. I think... I think she's definitely on that upward trend and she might peep her head into the rankings after this fight. I don't know. I could see Dana White throwing her in at 15 or something like that. I'm surprised she wasn't ranked before this fight. So uh, another topic, did you think the scoring was really weird throughout the night? It, It was, I don't know if the word is weird. I think we just had some really good fights that could have gone either way. And I think to an extent they were so close that, you had judges kind of splitting hairs on, on which way to score rounds. And I think that that led to some, some difference in opinions with, uh, I mean, people all the way up at Dana White uh, questioning the decision in that Ige Barboza fight. But I think we just saw some really talented fighters uh, really going at each other uh, for the first time in a few months. 
And I think uh, that contributed to us seeing some great fights, some really close ones, uh, which led to uh, some really tough decisions for the judges. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. The judges had a lot of tough decisions. And it's not that I necessarily disagreed with any of them. I was just like, oh, it could have gone the other way. And I think that's what a lot of people had a problem with, that they just their fighter didn't win. <laughs> that's right. That's just their problem. So on to the main event of the evening. We have Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris. What were your thoughts on this fight? I'll be totally honest. I gave Alistair Overeem no chance coming into this fight. <laughs> I did. We both and, did. And he surprised me. And it shouldn't have surprised me because he's one of the, the greatest heavyweight fighters the world has ever seen. And he's 22, 21, sorry, 21 years into this thing and still fighting at an extremely high level at 40 years of age. And he, he just showed me something that I don't think I'd seen from him in a little while. He, he looked quicker. Obviously, his chin held up after what Harris did to him early in that first round. And I was just really impressed with, I mean, early it seemed like uh, it was going to be the kind of thing where they were just going to throw bombs at each other, which is, is a style that lends itself more to Walt Harris. But uh, Overeem was able to take control of the fight after that one scare with him on the ground in the first round, really steer the fight towards a style that he thrives in. Uh, and he was able to finish it in the second round in a really impressive way. Yeah, I was I was surprised. Um, I thought Harris had him two and a half minutes into the first round when he when he just was just pounding him. But the ref, uh, Damar Gliotta, definitely did the right thing because clearly Overeem came up on top. And that, that was a great decision by Dan Mergliata. Yeah, because opinion. he was still like there. It wasn't like he was like just covering up to protect himself. He was still trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And that's that was a great decision by Mergliata. And when Harris, Harris just gave up his back at the end of that fight and Overeem's advantage on the ground with the blue belt and Brazilian jiu-jitsu just gave him the fight, honestly. So what do you think's next for Walt Harris? I mean, he, he said very clearly uh, at the end of that, at the end of that card in a really emotional moment that he's not going to stop fighting. Obviously he's, he wants to be back in the octagon as soon as possible. And you look at the heavyweight rankings, this is a, a division that uh, has some exciting guys, even, even towards that number nine ranking where he stands right now. So, I mean, as you look at it, um, I mean, Yarzinho you know, Rosenstruck coming off a loss. Uh, that could be an interesting fight. Two guys really, really do well on their feet. But uh, Harris being kind of a similar style to Francis Ngannou where he's just looking for that knockout power. Uh, again, and that's something that Rosenstruck obviously struggled with at 249. Uh, that's, that's something I could see probably. Um, Alexi Olenek's coming off a win. Uh, we could see a rematch of that one uh, from Harris's last fight. Uh, that was a really impressive performance out of him. Uh, but this, this heavyweight division is, is so interesting because there's a lot of young prospects coming up uh, that you could see f uh, fight Walt Harris to kind of try to vault themselves into those rankings. Or there's some established guys uh, that uh, could be competing to move up towards the top of the division alongside him. Yeah, I would have to agree there. I could see him definitely fighting Rosenstreich within sometime this year, and that he could be on maybe 250, 252 or something like that. I could see that happening. And Harris, he could he could also fight Olenek. I, I could see that too. I'd love to see that. So what's next for the Ream? 
I'm not really sure as far as that goes because, I mean, he obviously proved both of us wrong and I think proved a lot of other people wrong to going into his 40th birthday, which was yesterday, Saturday. We're recording this on the Sunday after the after the card that we weren't sure if if he really had much left in the tank, um, but he obviously does, and uh, he really impressed me. He's fought just about everybody there is to fight in this division right now. Maybe somebody like Alexander Volkov that's sitting there at number seven, uh, a fight like that, um, it's it could be a couple guys trying to push towards that top five. I'm not sure Overeem really gets back into title contention uh, before he finds the end of his career, but it's obviously something that could happen. I I would personally like to see that fight. Uh, yeah, I would Volkov. too. Yeah, I would love to see that Alexander Volkov fight too. We could see Rosenstreich too, also, and that I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities for Overeem. We don't really know. And on to the next question: Do you think he could compete for a title again? Because at the end in that octagon interview, he's like, "I think we can make it happen." He's he's been fighting for 21 years. I I wouldn't at this point. I wouldn't count Alistair Overeem out in, in any way, especially. Uh, with your top two guys in the division with Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier, both kind of winding their careers down. Uh, there's guys ahead of Overeem right now that he has competed with in the past, has beaten in the past. Somebody like Junior Dos Santos uh, sits at number four that Overeem's beat before. I, I wouldn't count anything out as far as it goes with Alistair Overeem uh, just because he's been able to change his style and surprise so many people as long as his career has gone on. Yeah, I think he could, but I wouldn't. I don't expect it to happen because he's no. maybe if he was thirty-two, of course. But he's forty; he's not young anymore. And who knows how many hits to the chin he has left in his career? So we we don't really know what's going to happen. But he could. Yes, he's he's that experienced that he knows he's fought just about everyone that he can, and he knows how to fight those guys. So we've come to the end of the episode here. Do you have any final thoughts? I just wanted to. to- to mention uh, as far as the prelims go that I was really impressed with some of the younger fighters that we saw in the prelims uh, that, that came in and did some pretty impressive stuff. Um, uh, Rodrigo Nascimento, uh, Nascimento uh, in the heavyweight division, making his UFC debut off of Dana White's contender series. Uh, had a second round uh, submission win over Dontel Mays. And I thought he was really impressive in doing that uh, stepped in and, and, fought like someone with with five or more five or so more fights under his belt than he actually did and then in the in the last uh fight of the prelims uh Miguel Baeza uh, had a really impressive win uh against against Matt Brown and he's somebody at 8-0 just just won his second fight in the UFC uh, took a lot of punishment in that first round they really went back and forth with each other and then he came firing out in the second round and, and knocked Matt Brown out, which I thought was really impressive against somebody that experienced. Uh, and he's got a lot of power in his hands and he's a great athlete. I think both of those guys are uh, a pair to watch in their respective divisions. All right. We had some good prelims. I was walking at that time, so I didn't watch the prelims, but I, I regret that decision. So Daniel, thanks for coming back on. It's always sure. a lot of fun doing these with you. So We'll see you in probably a couple of weeks when the next UFC event's on. So, sayonara. Have a good day, guys.